This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Random Movie Generator. Uh, lovely to have you on board, everybody. This is my co-presenter, David Liam Johnson Edwards. Absolutely, Captain. Pleasure to be here aboard the cinematic HMS. Uh, nice. Absolutely. I'm straight in with my metaphors and making a link to films and Hollywood. That's what we like to do. Um, how are you feeling? Are you feeling... Um, uh, in a movie kind of mood have you watched any movies this week absolutely last night i saw asteroid city the new um wes anderson movie oh okay right and um yeah it was a bit of a firstly did you go on your own no i went with ryan absolutely did you get sweeties um do you know what i am um, i i had a few grenade bars in the cinema. I've, I've got a real penchant for grenade bars at the moment. How many is a few? Uh, three, which is way too many. And it was even three by... Grenade. Three grenade bars, a uh, bit of an explosion in the old mouth, and they were too sweet for me. It's got to be said they even... Did you wash them down with anything? Um, what did I have? Oh, a large... I had one of those slush puppies you can get in the cinema sort of thing. A tango slush puppy that creates a kind of tango fruit explosion, chemical explosion in your mouth. You've got to be quick with it, though, because it does just turn into ice sludge very, very mm. quickly. So by the time the trailers have come to an end, you're just sort of like uh, chewing on Isn't ice. Isn't that disgusting? What, when it turns into ice sludge? No, no, just from the first sip onwards I like it I, for some reason particularly if you've got orange on top and then blueberry at the bottom it's a real marriage and a grenade right? bar absolutely but the grenade bar I had an Oreo grenade bar and I was like oh this you is three of them well different flavours the other one was cheesecake I was like bloody hell I'm in you know I'm in cloud nine here and, uh, but at the end, I just couldn't eat anything else. It's really... Because I think it's... Does just, Ryan ever go, what are you bloody eating, mate? I think sometimes, yeah, every now and then, I do lean over to him and say, sorry if I'm making too much noise, type of thing. It's not the noise. It's how much you're eating, David. I know. Are you here for the film? Or are you here What's just he to... eating? Is he um, eating grenade bars? No, he's a lot more civilised with his food. Do you know what I mean? He'll probably have something later, maybe a McDonald's or something, or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Um, or maybe he might have a few um, Dorito chip crisps or something like that, you know. It's a very sensible, normal amount that he usually just um, casually eats during the trailers and during the opening act of the film. He hasn't got some kind of food buffet challenge placed in front of him. So you watched Asteroid City, the new Wes Anderson. Were you, were you excited about watching this last night? Yeah, I was. Because, I mean, I would say Wes Anderson was like the last kind of like big uh, role model icon fascination I had. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you still get them when you're older. But, you know, when you're younger and you kind of like, you know, what people had with David Bowie in the 70s, like this kind of like, Goliath figure and you become slightly obsessed about them doing loads of research where they come from what films are they into and all that and I absolutely loved Bottle Rocket Rushmore is my f most favourite film ever you know what I mean it's, it's one of my number ones and I loved Royal Tenenbaums but then as his career's gone on he's become more and more popular he's been nominated for more and more Oscars but, but sadly I've fallen out of his style really do you know what I mean it's like he's become bigger more and more of an icon 
But um, the later films, they're still visually really interesting. And he's still got a very unique style. A lot of it is referencing kind of European cinema. You can see what he's referencing, but he's created his own uh, mismatch, mix and mash, pick and mix, I don't know what you call it, of um, different styles. God, now you mis- mismatch, mix and match. Uh, a mishmash. Mis- a mishmash. A mishmash of different styles. Oh, we styles. could be a little uh, CITV comedy duo called uh, Mishmash. That's got legs. <laughs> With an uh, alien. Hello, baby. Hello, mishmash. Hello, mash. How are you? Hello, mish. I'm doing all right, Mesh. You're looking good today. That's oh, got legs. Horrible, I think, um, well, I think no. you go into a studio in like BBC Manchester and pitch that. I think it's got legs. I can see the merchandise, and that's half the fight. Do you know what I mean? We'd have one, one antenna uh, on our heads, and we'd wear a ball cap, one antenna. I'm doing it again. And then when our heads come together, a TV screen appears, and that would be the, the film of the day showing people how to wash up or pick up litter. Well, we'd have to put our heads together. Heads then, together, uh, and then the two um, miss, uh, miss, aerials. Mishmash mish, coming, connecting. Absolutely. No, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> Mishmash. Mishmash. Simple as that. Yeah, I think that'd be... next on COTV is Mishmash. What are they up to this week? You don't get that oh, on why Netflix. Why am I doing this? Shut up. You don't get that on Netflix, do you? I just suddenly thought the idea of the presenter, you know, this week Rodney and Dell get into more trouble with that with that globe spinning around type of thing. Yeah. God. Anyway, Asteroid Blumency. Asteroid City is interesting. It's set in the desert and it looks like a live action Looney Tunes. You know, it's really quite interesting. And like all the uh, vehicles that move, like a train that goes through this desert setting, is like a little miniature train, but it's filmed in live action. So it's a real interesting um, mishmash, using that word again. Absolutely. Hello, Mash. And it's got all those different kind of vibes about it. Um, but the thing is, it's got no real heart to it. The characters are, are a bit stony, a bit empty. Rushmore... I find that movies. about... And I haven't watched many of his movies, but the ones I've watched, I've always felt like that about them. Basically, his earlier films, which he wrote with Owen Wilson, they've got a lot more heart to them, and they've almost... They took the European cinema style and then crossbred it with a more traditional Hollywood narrative. So, like, um, Rushmore's like a John Hughes movie, um, mated, sort of cross-pollinated or whatever you like, with a European cinema. Royal Tenenbaums is like a James L. Brooks family drama mixed with European cinema. But then these later films are almost just pretentious European cinema. They haven't got that um, Hollywood mainstream doorway in of having these heartfelt, relatable characters. Because like look, of... I'm looking at images from it. They look amazing, these shots. Oh, they are. From... Don't get me wrong. The first 15 minutes of the film is great, but then you can only go so far with images. But they are fascinating. And there's, there are interesting ideas because what happens is um, it's called Asteroid City because an asteroid hit the city. And then um, this asteroid astronomy group meet up there every year to do like a science fair. And then an alien visits to, to, to bring the, the actual asteroid back that it left uh, several years ago. Um, and it's, it's an interesting narrative, an interesting plot, but the characters are just very hollow. And there isn't really um, a big climactic plot ending. It's... Um, it just I found it very much of his last film, French Dispatch, in the sense that visually fascinating, but there's no real relatable characters on a high level. They're very 2D... And they talk in a very robotic, soulless manner, which um, I think I, I think as soon as he stopped writing with Owen Wilson with Life Aquatic, you could see that that kind of um, relatable, based in some form of reality, um, just removed itself more and more. Independent gave it five stars. But don't get me wrong, it's still very, very popular. You know what I mean? This is my subjective take. But not take. for you. But, but not, not for you. But not for me. I mean, it's, you know, he's still... What, what are prosperous. you missing? What, what are they seeing and you're missing? What are they seeing that I am missing? Um, perhaps... 
perhaps they're enjoying the whimsical tongue-in-cheek humour more. Um, perhaps they're getting a lot of the um, cultural references because Asteroid City is quite interesting in the sense that you see a play of the alien uh, visitor encounter and you also see a TV remake of the alien encounter so it's um, uh, a real life event then a play then a TV show of it and it's all based in the 60s and a lot of the characters are references to Paul Newman um, the actor studio at the time, Marilyn Monroe. So there's other elements there. And also I think some people um, enjoy the aesthetics. They can just bathe in the visuals. They don't have to have that kind of, um, that desire to have like a character that they empathise on a higher level with. They can just uh, go along as, with that. Esquire gave it eight out of five stars. Eight out of five or five out of eight or? Eight out of five. Eight out of five. So they're that impressed that it was like, blimey, it's, it's transcended mathematics mm. type of thing. What did Ryan think? He was exactly the same. He just kind of... Um, uh, you were left cold and also had grenade bars munched in his absolutely ears. Absolutely. Not ideal. Dolby surround uh, chocolate bars being chewed up and spit into his eardrums. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan, if I'm uh, not at all. Absolutely. Just chew it away. What do you do when you get to the bottom of the um, ice slash puppy? Do you... I, I wait for a, a loud explosion, like an asteroid hitting with this film. You do what? And then I just suck it up. Simple what as... What does it sound like? Like an alien creature in Star Wars New Hope Canteen. Like that little anteater who, like, um, swigs up beer from his cup. Well, thank you so much, David, for for this week's What's Been Going On? Absolutely, in the cinema universe. David Edwards, Movie News. Well, David, have you got any movie news this week? Movie news, certainly. Um, one thing is the summer Hello. professors of... Um, Hello, Mandy. Hello. Oh, here we go. Here comes bloody trouble. Hello, sex Here she comes, bum. wheeling along. Sex bum. Oh. <laughs> seem He's my sex bum. Well, I wouldn't say that. I would say, you know, um, there was an air of cynicism and uh, dark spitefulness in my voice then, sort of thing. I think uh, she's been quite handful. She hasn't replied to any of my texts. Yes, she hasn't got oh. number, but she could still, you know... Why do you behave like this in front of David Why do you behave like this in front of David? When he's with me, he's fine. When, what did you say? When he's with me, he's fine. When he's with me, he's fine. Yeah. He's as good as gold. You, you change when you're with no, David. You, yeah, yeah, but when she she's says, alone you with... you change when you're with me. He when does. You, she said, when you're with her. When you're with me... No, it's the other way around. You're she's d- nasty. No. no, when you're with me, you're sexy. And she purposely put on her heater so it burnt my elbow. You get sexy with me. hugging an oven. She said no. No. Well, it's... He's lying again. Yes, he's lying. He gets, when he's with lie. me, he gets randy. Mandy, do you like David? Yes. Yes, I do. Well, there you go. It's like nice to, do nice you to like hear Mandy? that. He's sexy. She's warming on me. She's warming <laughs> on me. Absolutely. She's, she, she's nasty to you. Yeah, well, I, mean, I can't she keep up. She likes me now, do you know what I mean? which is helping. It's thawing some of the ice. But uh, it's a very confused relationship. It's a very abusive relationship. Basically, it's like she she gestures for me to come in for a hug and then pushes me away. And then she puts on the oven mode on a, a le- electronic box. And then I'm like, you know, I'm hugging like a piece of giant coal. So this week's movie news... If that makes any sense, if that makes any sense, but you know, I'm like um, unknowingly. No, that makes sense. She puts the hub oven mode on, and, and um, hug her. it feels like a giant piece of coal. And I walk What's away scorched. Okay, movie news. It is the summer blockbuster season, and we are looking at um, Hollywood are in not in a good position because um, a lot of the films are flopping at the moment within the summer Why? blockbusters. 
Um, well, films like one of the things they say is that the budget for a lot of these films are just way, way too high. And like, for instance, Fast and the Furious 10 cost 340 million. And uh, they say a lot of the special effects were quite naff and quite poorly um, executed. Did for well, well, I did as well. So a lot of that money will be going to the stars like Vin Diesel. Because as the, the films have gone on, they've become more and more popular. The stars are key to it. And their actual contract has gone up. But you've got to remember, $340 million is the production budget. Then you've got to add at least 150 or $200 million for advertising and publicity. And they say that it's just got completely out of hand. And something like Fast and the Furious needs to gross at least a billion dollars to make its money back. And it's not going to do that. The other thing that's an issue is that China more and more are very picky about what Hollywood films it allows to actually um, show within their cinemas. And if you don't get into China, that's like 200 million at least taken off your blockbuster um, uh, box office at the end. And also the other big thing is they say that um, this summer has been a real example that Pixar has really been pushed off its, um, what do you call, pedestal, altar, throne, can't think of the metaphor, but Pixar... Can we come up with seven more? Um, uh, sky, platform, um, quick, skateboard, quick. ice skating rink, um, uh, Lamborghini roof, um, uh, uh, mansion roof, um, uh, shoulders of a giant, um, the clouds above a cathedral, um, a crucifix. Yeah. Uh, basically. Why, what's happened? Um, well, the last few films have not done well at all. Buzz Lightyear did very poorly last summer, and uh, Elemental, their new film, uh, hasn't opened up open to big figures at all. And What's they, going on, David? There's two big factors. Number one, it's an element whereby during COVID, they released some of their films like Turning Red straight to streaming, and they've said they've trained audiences that Pixar is something you watch at home on Disney+. Plus. It's not a cinema feature. And also, they feel as though people like Sony and Universal have worked out the Pixar puzzle. There's a lot more competition out there. Because, I mean, the only film that's doing really well this summer is Spider-Verse. So, for instance, Transformers did really well for its opening, opening weekend, and then since, it's dropped 60% of the box office. So, Spider-Verse, at the moment, is the only film that's actually you done well. You love Spider-Verse. I was you? a big, big fan. But they also say that um, they kept the budget to Spider-Verse to $100 million. So, it's realistic, the budget. And um, it will allow them to start recouping the box office, whereas other studios have just put all their money. Because the thing is, with cinema, it's all about these big spectacle movies to get people away from Netflix, to get them away from their TV screens, you know, prestige dramas. But because they put all this money into these big films, like most Pixar animations, like 200 million, if they're a flop, you put all your money into one basket, all your eggs into one basket, sorry, and it's not good for the studio at all. Right. Uh, Disney's Pixar replays its greatest hits in this formulaic rom-com. Big time. It's like a lot of people say. It's like G Chat GPT wrote um, Elemental, their new film that's doing really poorly. In the sense, that they're just playing really safe with that. You know, it's just very formulaic Pixar entertainment. But Disney are, are not in a good position at the moment because The Little Mermaid is not making money. It's made money in America, but it hasn't made money internationally. And they think it's because of the idea of having a uh, mixed-race mermaid playing the role. Other countries around the world haven't embraced that for whatever you know uh, controversial reason. So Disney, Pixar's not doing well. Their live-action remakes aren't doing well. At the moment, there's a massive summer blockbuster slump. That's what the news is kind Why of... Why don't you up. write the next one? Absolutely. Cook up something new. Do fresh. it now. Um, which studio would it be for? Who would I go for? Let's... Well, who do you think? Um, well, let's go, let go... Let's go for the story. What? What's the title of the movie? 
Go. Next, so this will come out in three years. Massive blockbuster by David Edwards. Go. What's it called? It's called No Borders, and it's a case whereby there's no borders when it comes to the story, the genre. It's an absolute, well, it's a mission mash once again. Do you know what I mean? This idea that it's a whole um, medley of different, um, it's like What's Picasso. The main, the main character is called Fred. What and, is Fred? Um, Fred is just particles. You know, he literally has, because of a science experiment that's gone wrong, he's just particles that just hover and move through the air. It's what as simple as that. Like um, he's, he's, he's camp, simple as that, and he's proud and camp. How? You know, How does he sound? Oh, every time he goes into particles sort of thing. So it's got a carry-on humour. The humour is very relatable, but some of the story ideas... Um, Can you I'm, do one, like, one tiny monologue from the movie that Fred oh I've become more than a man I've become a handful of particles moving through walls moving through bushes moving in and out the legs of a domestic cat my name's Fred but I'm not Fred I've started to realize I'm quantum physics I'm more than a man I'm particles which are changing every day every other second and I've, this film's called no it's called no, no boundaries no borders no borders sorry not no boundaries that was the working and, development and, and, and the character that Fred falls in love with Fred falls in love with um, himself he just sees a reflection of himself and he realizes what, what's that scene can we hear that well that seamless scene good looking look at you why are you ignoring me why are you turning your face away from me oh hello Fred's seen Fred, and Fred likes what he sees. We're all just what particles. What age is this for, this film? Um, I would say um, the special effects of the particles are great. Can kids watch this film? They wouldn't understand the camp carry-on Kenneth Williams humour, but they would uh, love the 3D IMAX effects and special okay. effects. David, thank you so much for this week's movie news, unless you've got some more. The only one thing I'd say is um, Del Toro, the well-known director of Shape of the Water, Hellboy, and uh, Pacific Rim. I was going to call it Specific Rim there. Uh, Pacific Rim. Um, he's announced that um, once he does his next film, Frankenstein, starring Andrew Garfield and Oscar Isaac, um, he's going to focus no longer on live action films. He's going to carry on purely with animation because uh, he did the po um, the Pinocchio film that did very well at the Oscars with Netflix. And he's literally going to turn his back on live action and just focus on animation hundred percent, which um quite crazy in a way. Apparently he's Taylor Swinton's that's completely Taylor Swift. That's completely insane for me to get that name wrong. He's Taylor Swift's, um, what's the word? What is Splinter to the Turtles and Obi-Wan to Luke? A kind of teacher figure, a guru. He's Splinter a, to the Turtles? Splinter to the Turtles, Obi-Wan to Luke Skywalker. They're like a teacher, a guru figure. And he, oh, like a father figure? Yeah, and he is that to Taylor Swift. 20th Century Fox. Why does Taylor them? Swift keep getting mentioned on this book? That's three weeks on the... Trot, we've mentioned Taylor Swift. Honest to God, it's because she keeps coming up in, in pop culture conversation. With the goods. With the yeah. goods. It's as simple as that. Yeah. David, thank you so much for this week's movie news. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. David Edwards Movie So, this week's uh, movie review is, I can't remember what movie uh, Mandy randomly generated for you. What? It was called um, Pineys and Ferb. Is that how you pronounce it? P-H-I-N-E-S. Oh, Phineas, Phineas and Ferb. Sorry, absolutely. Phineas oh and Ferb. God. Candies Against the Universe. Did you watch this? I bloody did, mate. And? Um... Well, what can I say? It's basically, the more I looked into it, it's based on a Disney Plus TV series that was given a movie. And um, it's... Phineas and Ferbs. And it's basically two stepbrothers who are geniuses that create inventions. And their um, sister is called Candice. And in this particular uh, 
movie of the TV series on Disney Plus, Candace feels very much sidelined because they're geniuses and she has nothing special to sort of present. And um, she's abducted by aliens. And then um, Phileas and uh, Ferb have to basically go on an adventure, create a spaceship to rescue her from the aliens. And it, to me personally, the animation will just felt like a Saturday morning cartoon. It looks like a headache. It was a headache. Simple as that. Some adults enjoy it because some of the humour is a bit self-aware, postmodern, making references to other genres, sci-fi, and also some of the uh, musical moments are a bit zany. Once again, doing raps or country music, where you're kind of making self-aware comments about the genre you're operating in. But I found the the um, the humour quite grating and repetitive after a while. How did you feel sitting down to watch this movie last week? Well, I had a bit of hope because it's got like quite an adult humour, an adult following type of thing. But I think it's got an adult following in the sense of ironic tongue-in-cheek, you've got to be stoned on like um, marijuana cookies whilst you're watching it type of thing. When was the last time you had a marijuana cookie? God, never, pal. Absolutely simple as that. Keep it like that. Absolute. That's the, that's the image that needs to be presented to the world. Zero. <laughs> exactly. Big fat right. zero hovering in, in in the sky. How many sittings did Phineas and Ferb take you? How many times did you have to get up and? I th- without knowing it, I would say um, it was an hour and a half, and I'd say every twenty two minutes I got up and did something, and that's how long a cartoon episode would last. What did you do when you got up? Um, uh, had a wee, perhaps. Um, hot chocolates. Do you ever go, I'm going into town, and I'll come back later? With something like this, I want to power through it and get it done. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, well, no, that is the that is the, the random generator of life, isn't it? I sort of don't want to know anything about it. I think I pretty much... Um, it works better as a TV show for 20 minutes... And it's just stretched out too long. The humour becomes very repetitive. I think if you were stoned with your student mates watching it, you would enjoy it, maybe. Do you know what I mean? But I think it's not good that, you know, you've got to be actually under an illegal drug to get through the, the hour and 27 minutes of it. I mean, well, I, let's, have, let's have a little listen. Let's have a little listen please to Phineas and Ferb. Please and do. Candice takes on the universe, is that right? And she takes on a bunch of aliens that have abducted her and her stepbrothers need to go and rescue her. I used to feel alone, just me against the raging tide. But I guess I should have known that you were always on my side. Yeah. 
there anything about this movie that you thought actually that that was good that bit not really with the music i was hoping it to be a bit more interesting and playful because at least the music isn't just these kind of like sing-along disney tunes which i'm not against i I don't mind a bit of frozen you know i'll sing along to that in the car if it comes on the old uh, radio but it was a bit more fresher they played around with genres like you know go from heavy metal to rap and you know a bit more inventive with that but um i I really wasn't amazed i found the self-aware trying to be smug clever humor uh, trying to attract an adult as well as a child audience a bit grating after a while i've got to have a little look at uh just some images from it uh, i've got this um, phineas and ferb the animation is just very is it basic phineas and ferb? it is oh it's not coming up phineas and herb um, it, no, it's oh, Ferb. Oh, God, I don't, do you know, I don't like his pointy face. It's classic Saturday morning cartoon. It's very much like um, we're aware that we're a Saturday morning cartoon, so we're going to make references and nods to, to, to what we are, a sci-fi show, Saturday cartoon. Um, it's almost like Simpsons for kids, but it's grating, and um, the humour becomes too self self-aware and repetitive it's like yeah we're aware that you know you're a car it does show that even kids have got that tongue-in-cheek irony about themselves that they can't even just watch a saturday morning cartoon because i mean optimus prime wouldn't in the transformers world would never make a self-aware ironic sardonic comment about him being a robot in a sci-fi world but even like um kids cartoons for kids is um has got that kind of like hold up a mirror and point humour at what it is well David it's now time to review Phineas and Ferb how many Chuck Ices out of five are you going to rate Phineas and Ferb Candy's takes on the universe or whatever it is I would say two out of five Two out of five, simple as that. It just why number um, one? Because you could tell that you know it's been professionally executed. Do you know what I mean? You know the animation's bog standard, but in no way, um, you know, it's got a clear three act structure. I guess I got through it with lots of breaks, but um, I think really it was just a marketing trick in the sense that they could see it had a lot of followers and. Um, they just thought, well, let's make a movie because there's a fan base there to exploit. And the idea was just too overly stretched for an hour and a half. Simple as that. David, thank you so much for this week's movie review. Not a problem, Captain. Big, big pleasure. No, I mean that. And I mean, you know, my reply to you is filled with meaning as well, definitely. David Edwards made up So, this week's quick movie review, fictitious movies, where I come up with five uh, fictitious movie titles, and you have, say, 20 seconds to review them? Absolutely. Is that okay? Uh, totally. Uh, okay, I'll um, I'll come up with the movie titles now. Um Okay, so I've come up with five fictitious movie titles. You have 20 seconds, David, to review each one. Um, um, And yeah, let's see what we come up with. Are you ready? Absolutely. Okay, the first movie title is The Right Eyes. Uh, Right Eyes had an amazing cast of um, Jack Kidney was absolutely superb in the role um, he's, it shows that you know he's not just um, a good looking chap that appears on um, you know fashion magazine um, front covers he's got real rage but range uh, but stop the- 
Second movie, Leave Me Johnson. Leave Me Johnson. Um, it was spectacularly filmed in the setting of Italy. I loved the uh, the Vespers. I loved the spaghetti. It looked amazing on IMAX. But the, the violence in the film was irresponsible and sickening. Absolutely horrific. <laughs> it was a tsunami of blood and guts. Stop. <laughs> the third movie, Into the Heart. The irony is, there was no heart, and at no point did I feel as I entered into anyone's heart. Very two-dimensional characters, very, very disappointing, considering it came from a uh, an award-winning novel, which was literally a page-turner. It was a page-ripper, the novel. You know, you couldn't help but get through it. Stop. The fourth movie is Pirates Are Growing. Pirates of Growing was a very unique idea, you know, taking the Pirates of the Caribbean formula and mixing it with a sci-fi concept where they were growing um, pirates in an allotment, but they didn't have the money for the special effects. The pirates looked fake. They were just like um, faces drawn on carrots, and it, it didn't suck into the film. And the final fictitious movie title is Feeling Fresh. Feeling Fresh was basically... Um, it, you know, I'm going to be controversial and just say it really was just soft porn. Simple as that. And I've been tricked into watching it and I felt very uncomfortable in the cinema. Simple as. I was just surrounded by other middle-aged men watching, feeling fresh. And I didn't feel fresh. I felt very dirty. The Thank entire you very much, minutes. David. Thank you, David, for this week's made-up movie titles. Thank you, sir. David Edwards Movie Tube Okay, so this week's Movie Tube, David, you you sent me well, I've seen the... quite a few. I mean, one that would be a good one to watch is a chap called, um, I can't remember his entire name, but he's a, he's very big, uh, it's called, it's called the Arnold Family, his uh, social media site, and he's a big George Lucas fan, and he un, um, unboxes lots of Indiana Jones merchandise, and because he's had a lot of followers on his Twitter site, he's become a bit of a sort of medium social media star. Lucasfilm invited him to the Indiana Jones Dial of Destiny premiere, and there's a video shot of him being sh- shown uh, opening up the email inviting him to the premiere you haven't sent me that uh, I have yeah it's on whatsapp if you look on whatsapp it's on there I've got Nicholas Cage I've got the Indiana Jones Museum oh okay let's, I'm sure I've um, I've got that for you sorry let me just have a look um Indiana Jones Museum, Nicolas Cage, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, yeah, so if you, uh, um, also this is, if you go below the Indiana Jones Ravenwood um, Museum visual tour, yeah. uh, and you've got not Death, ah, got there, you. there's a link there. Okay, right, a fan gets the opportunity to go to the Indiana 5 premiere and has an epic emotional breakdown, oh amazing, okay, okay. Let's check it out, Captain. Right, so you see him receive the invitation here, is that right? Absolutely, he opens the email there and then in front of the camera, and we see his actual reaction there and then of um, he's being invited to the premiere. Okay, so this YouTube channel is called The Arnold Family, and uh, it's only got 2.29 thousand subscribers, but here we go, let's have a little listen. That's quite surprising that it's quite low actually. I think um, he must have got a lot of traffic and hits recently because of the Indiana Jones film. I mean, this video's only had 526 views, but. It's strange because he must be attracting. Because for him to be invited to the premiere, he must be getting a lot of traffic for him to go on um, Lucasfilm's radar. So this dude is banging to Indiana Jones. Oh, massively, massively. Oh, this is heaven. Okay. And you see, you see his like, office as well. It's just filled yeah. with props. Okay. All right, guys, so... <laughs> I've received another email from Lucasfilm. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, I have not read it yet. I just, I, I saw the heading for it. I'm shaking right now. Uh, okay, so <laughs> the the topic the the heading says Lucasfilm invites you Indiana Jones Hollywood and I'll see the rest. <sighs> Lucasfilm invites you Indiana Jones Hollywood premiere. Hello, Alex. We would like to invite you to the premiere of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, 14th in Hollywood, California. Wow. Wow. We have a limited number of tickets and like to give you the opportunity to be a part of this special night. is for you only it is not transferable one ticket has been set aside for you we encourage you to attend an Indiana Jones Steve costumes including Indy himself Marion short round etc due to limited space playing do attending costume will need to submit their costume for consideration. A changing area will not be provided so any guests attending in costume will need to arrive dressed and sit in the theater in costume. In the theater! What? You will not be able to return to your car to change out a costume before the screening begins. For those not coming in costume, we strongly encourage you to come dressed in your Indiana Jones clothing. Fan relations at Lucasfilm. Woohoo! Oh my gosh. I'm going to the freaking Indiana Chosen Dow Destiny US premiere. I will be sitting in the same theater watching this movie with Harrison Ford, James Mangold, everybody that's in the movie. Oh my god. Oh. Thank you, Lucasfilm. Thank you. It's not a dream, I could pitch you. <laughs> wow. It's. I think the, the sad. I don't know, God, the thing that sort of grabbed me was. um. His kids in the background. I'm so yeah. happy for you, Daddy. I'm so happy. Yeah. It's like who's the child in the room there? It's almost like the um the kids, these like ten year old children, but almost like the um the parents, sort of like watching him open his birthday present. It's quite surreal. So this bloke What's his YouTube channel about? Is it Indiana Jones? It's all about Indiana Jones. Um, oh Star God. Wars reviewing films. I'm surprised his numbers are low because for the Lucasfilm fan relations department for him to be on the radar, and he's, he was on the red carpet as well. I saw um, on another YouTube video him appearing and getting like a selfie of Harrison Ford and stuff like that. Has he got any really... Have you seen any videos where he's got any sort of actual props that are uh, from the movies? Not props, replica props, which would cost a lot of money, like Holy Grail and stuff like that. In that vein, I mean, there's another video we should do um, another day, which is a guy that's um, turned his home into what he calls the Ravenwood after the um, the female character in Raiders of Lost Ark, um, Ravenwood Museum. Oh, I love the look of that. I well, love the look of that. We'll, well have to do that next week. Absolutely. Whereby, um, um. He, he hardly ever shows any videos of it to keep it secret in the hope that, and apparently he showed a video, a brief one for COVID to keep people's spirits high. Um, but the, the idea is it's in a secret location. You find it. And I think it's his home. You knock on the door and it's the biggest Indiana Jones museum ever. Wow. Is there an Indiana Jones museum in, in the UK? I don't think so. Uh, because if there is... 
someone's going to be here. Oh, God, I'd be there in a second, pal. I'd have been there already. So, obviously, it doesn't exist. It can't exist because I have not put my body within it. And my eyeballs... you be the person that creates a museum? Goodness. Uh, where would you... And also, the, the money can't be bothered. That's a big factor. It's got to be said. It's got to be verbalised that, unfortunately. That's a limitation within the personality that I can't be bothered. But also, it's like... Um, You'd have to have a lot of money to play with, a lot of spare change to start buying holy grails and whips and um, satchels. How much would an Indiana Jones whip cost? I think even if you just bought a normal ball whip, it would be like um, £110 or whatever. And that's well, let's um, have a look. That's a, a lot of normal, t- a regular bull whip. That's a lot of Tesco groceries straight off the bat. A regular bull whip will cost you on eBay. £79. That ain't cheap, Captain. And that's not even like the real one that old uh, Mr. Ford used. Oh, my God. A professional handmade 16-plate leather bullwhip, £129. You've already looked it up. There's a guy who's got an Indiana Jones YouTube channel, and it's all just about... um, He dresses up as Indiana Jones, stands in his garden, and does a bullwhip trick each week. And he gets loads of hits. He's a hit guru. Simple as. David, thank you so much for this week's Movie Tube. Not a problem, Captain. Not a problem at all. Happy to serve. David Edwards Movie Tips. So, you've got a movie tip this week? Absolutely. Movie tip, I would definitely say this week, is the Netflix TV series Arnold's, which is all about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, It's a three-parter. The first part is bodybuilding. The second part is his movie star career, which is fascinating. And the third part is him as the governator going into politics. Joe was telling me about this, and he was saying in the first part during the pumping iron period, uh, Arnold reveals that he hated himself. He had very low self-esteem. Very low self-esteem, indeed. And uh, how it's the American dream where he kind of like uh, recreated himself type of thing. It's the whole kind of... Um, and also a fascinating insight into his brother as well. The idea that his parents were ultra, ultra strict to the extent they're almost slightly abusive borderline and that helped spear it spur him on to leave austria and enter america and become a new self so it, it was almost a fuel that motivated him but for his brother different personality it did the opposite and he went into serious depression became an alcoholic and unfortunately crashed his car and passed away and he said that his nightmare parents made him schwarzenegger and his um brother it kind of destroyed him because the parents were so extreme with their uh, parental um, techniques. So you really recommend Meinhard Schwarzenegger? Absolutely. Bloody hell. The other thing, also the other thing that's really good is that it's not produced by the Schwarzenegger estate. Unlike recent David Bowie documentaries and things like that, where it's only presenting a one-view take on the celebrity in a very positive manner, that they do ask him difficult questions at times. One thing I was really uh, impressed by was that um, before he became a leading man in Hollywood, he was a multi-millionaire because he had taken all his bodybuilding money and put it into real estate. And he was an L.A. real estate king, whereby he had loads of blocks of fats in L.A. and office spaces in L.A. that he was renting out. And he lived in a massive mansion, which you see images of, before the Terminator. And that allowed him to only go for specific audition roles and jobs. So the guy was going to be a millionaire even before um, becoming a Hollywood star. I've got to watch this. Oh, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. One this. thing that's really bizarre, there was a, there's a bit where um, 
they've done a reconstruction, you know how they do with documentaries, of his bedroom in Austria and how it's filled with pinups of like 1950s bodybuilders and like big muscular kind of Sinbad stars of the era, pulpy stars, and how his mum was very paranoid that he had loads of um, images of men up on his wall because there was like a homophobic fear with the parents towards it. Um, and then suddenly Arnold enters his own bedroom as a as like a 70-year-old man and sits on the bed and looks at the photos. It's quite a bizarre uh, moment. But yeah, it is very, very good. Because, I mean, they're using the documentary to um, promote his new TV show, Fubar, which personally I thought was very poor. Um, it's almost like a, a new take on True Lies where he finds out that his daughter is a spy and she doesn't realise that he is a spy. So it's got that True Lies kind of spin he's returning to. But it's done incredibly well ratings-wise, and there's going to be a second series. So what do I bloody know? What does Professor Charkins think of Arnold Schwarzenegger? Arnold Schwarzenegger is very much the uh, icon symbol of the muscular ego and narcissism of the 80s, the more, 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 more culture, the want to binge on testosterone and be better than the man next door. Uh, he was before the uh, the average John McClane diehard chap who uh, thought on the, uh, the balls of his feet and uh, didn't have uh, muscle to show off, but had a bit more brawn and uh, psychology behind it. I imagine Professor Charkins is really spindly. Oh, very spindly. Absolutely. You know, just um, eats very sort of minimal for intellect and ideas and knowledge are his diets. Food is a very minimum thing. You know, he's not interested in um, lavishing himself with burgers and sugary treats. That's for the um, the idle consumer who'll sit there and watch Transformers. He'll sit there with a black coffee and like a carrot cake and watch black and white French films. Professor Charkins, what do you eat in the evening? I eat um, hummus and celery dips. I like food that um, doesn't take over the whole table because I want to be writing or podcasting or reading. You know, I'm like a, um, a car who just needs fuel every now and then just to keep the wheels in my brain spinning. Professor Charkins, what do you eat at lunchtime? Once again, not celery, but um, circular um, crackers that I get from Waitrose um, that I once again dip into hummus or um, and spice mayonnaise from an oriental um, vendor. So, you know, it's got a sort of international feel to it, but it doesn't give me hiccups or indigestion like some lounging around yank with an overly large waistband who's into watching CGI explosions and gobbling on pizzas. Mr. Jarkins, Professor Jarkins, finally, when you want to uh, let loose on a Friday evening, what will you go out on the town and eat? I will go out and I will uh, treat myself to a mozzarella pizza at Pizza Express. Proper European style with a very thin um, uh, bread uh, foundation. And then I will pick out one of their cheesecakes at the end whilst reading a novel, not a Kindle, an actual... I want to feel a paper cut shredding into my flesh as I chew away, nibble away at my uh, European-Italian-style pizza. And I'll wander past on the long route home so I can wander past Domino's or Pizza Hut and shake my Domino's. head. Domino's? Uh, Domino... Was it Domino's? Uh, Domino's, not Domino's. I was giving it an Italian uh, twist, which it does not deserve. But it's nasty, um, thick bread, cholesterol grenade of a pizza feast. Um, Professor Charkins and David, thank you so much for this week's movie tips. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you for your time. David Edwards, Random Movie Mandy is chugging away in the background. It's now time for her 
and you to choose a film randomly uh, for you to review next week. I'm absolutely des- desperate for you to get a goodie. But fingers crossed, everything crossed. I didn't. I didn't watch last week's one, and I'm gutted for you. I'm gutted for you. It was. I, I, I feel as though I should have added more discussion about the narrative, really. But it really was stepbrothers who are geniuses, sisters oh, abducted let's by not aliens. Go back to it. Jesus Christ! Quite right. Like any disaster, you move on. Right. Okay. So let's choose the genre, David, of the first movie that you might be reviewing next week. Let's go okay. For it. So here we go. Really feel it. Over to you. Stop. Horror. Here we go. Right, okay, a bit of horror. And the genre of this movie... Uh, sorry, and the decade of this movie. Please tell me when to stop. Stop. 1960s. Okay. Please generate a horror, Mandy, from the 1960s. Please generate four horrors. Mandy has generated four horror movies from the 1960s. She's spinning the round in her unit, and it's now time for you to tell her when to stop. Stop. The Fearless Vampire Killers. God, what is that? That sounds very pulpy. The Fearless That sounds very Would you like to hear the other movies that you might have Please, please do. Repulsion? Oh no, I've always wanted to watch that. You were so close. Oh, to Oh, that's the it. Roman Polanski film, so that inspired things like uh, Black Swan, uh, loads of kind of like, um, lots of Dan Anfinoski films. That is frustrating. I've always wanted that. Whatever happened to Baby Jane? Never heard of that one. And Night of the Living Dead. Oh, I'd love to have watched that again. The original so zombie got a film. Fearless Vampire Killer. It sounds it sounds quite Roger Corman, very B movie. Oh, it's right. Old cast: Roman Polanski. What? Sharon Tate. Hey. Yeah. yeah. Roman Polanski directed it. Well, no cast. Oh, Roman Polanski. Oh, yes, he was afraid. He, he, no, he didn't. Was he an actor at one point? I don't know. God, that is interesting. Okay. Okay, second movie. That's not too bad, is it? That's a that's an int- intriguing one. Possible. It's intriguing. Yeah, I didn't know Roman Polanski was an actor at one point. That is interesting. Okay, so the second genre of the movie that you might be reviewing next week. Please take your time. Stop. Drama. Okay, there we go. Nice and broad. Now let's choose a decade. Stop. 1950s. Hmm. I have to see what this one is. Mandy, please generate four movies from the 1950s. Okay, she has done. She's spinning them around in her, in her body. Now it's time for you to tell her when to stop. Stop. To Catch a Thief. Oh, the Hitchcock film with Cary Grant. That would be interesting. Mm, okay, that would be interesting. too bad. Yes, that would be an, an interesting one to check out. To catch Definitely. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with a bit of Hitchcock, sir. Nothing wrong uh, at other, all. The other movies were... La Strada. That sort of rings a bell. Hiroshima Mon Amour. And a cat on a hot tin roof. I would have been interested in that. That's a real classic. Okay, so the third movie, David. Let's pick the genre of the third movie that you might be reviewing next week. Okay, let's get a really dinger. Yeah. Press the button. Fantasy. Ooh. And now the decade. Press the button. 2020s. That sounds sexy. That, that's a little description <laughs> sexy. I don't know what I mean by that. 
goodness me, I said that without thinking. That went a bit Freudian, but that's that could be interesting. Please, Mandy, generate four fantasy movies from the 2020s. She has done. She's uh, she's come up with four fantasy movies from the 2020s, and she's spinning them around. Now it's time for you to tell her when to stop. Stop. <laughs> Croods, a new age. Fucking hell, man. Oh, I've watched my language there, but I can't. <laughs> Do you know what? Having said that, though, I think John Cleese wrote the first draft of that. Oh, okay. Jeremy, he was actually linked to that for a while. Okay. So, you um, say the other movies were Luck? Oh, Luck, I'd like to have seen that. That's the new um, John Lasseter produced one he did for Apple Plus. I'd have been interested in that. Oh, God, I'd have been interested in watching that. Control. Troll, I don't think so. I think Troll would have been a bit of a handful. I think that would be me back into Disney Plus territory, like Universal. It's Universal, it's not Disney, but I think it's very kind of um, kid-based. But then again, if if it was handed to me, I'd have to check it out. Well, you've um, got the Croods here in New Age, so I've given them The Fearless Vampire Killers, To Catch a Thief, and Croods and New Age. I've given them an A, a B, and a C... I've I've jiggled them around, or have I? And now it's time for you, David, to choose which movie you will be reviewing next week. Is it going to be A, B, or C? A. Croods, a new age. There we go. You don't... I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the second one. So the first one had a following. I think the... Um, I think it will definitely be better than Phileas and Ferb. I, I really I believe that. I hope so. I mean, even I'm pissed off. I think it I will think, be better than that. I hope that. so. Nicholas Cage, Emma Stone, Ryan Reynolds... Oh, it's a good, that is a very good uh, voice cast. So, I mean, the script should be attracting them. I think it's the second one um, in the series. Okay. Okay. Well, hopefully you like it. Oh, do you know what? I think you, might, I think you might quite like this. No looking at reviews. You are quite right. I'll get rid of that right now. They are the Quite right, quite right. I will watch it with virginal fresh eyeballs. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm pretty... I think that is... It could be the second one. It could be the first one. But it was definitely sequels. So the first one made money. So I think, you know... I think, you know, sometimes things like uh, Phileas and Ferb... You know, it's quite good to have a you know a, a pretty grim experience because anything after that is just euphoric. You know, what I mean, you're not watching a Saturday morning cartoon that's been stretched yeah. over an hour and a half. Well, David, are you ready to answer some of the patron uh, questions? We've got quite 100%. a few lined up for you. A hundred percent. Brilliant. Well, thank you, everybody, and thank you for leaving um, reviews and rating the podcast. Which thank you. Pe- yeah, people have done recently, and it's very nice indeed. Massively nice so. Indeed. Thank you for that. Massively. Yes. Yeah, massively. Please continue wherever you uh, listen to the podcast. Try and find the bit where you leave a review because it's really nice. Oh, it's just it's dopamine inside the brain skull. It's just fireworks appear within my brain. Well, for the last week or two, we've been in the top 50 TV and movie reviews, uh, podcasts. That's kind of impossible in a, in a sense, isn't it? That's amazing. How does that make you feel? Um, almost as though there's some kind of IT data issue there. There's some kind of bug in the system. No, people want a piece of your ass. My audio ass type of thing. But I, I find that um, slightly... Um, I don't want to be negative. I want to be positive. I want to have a Tom Cruise outlook on life. Well, gen- you find generally. that slightly what? Um, confusing. I don't quite know because a lot Why? of pods out there. But people um, like you. I, I think, you know, um, some of my descriptions aren't the most articulate. It's got to be said. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I do have a bad memory recall when it comes to words, which you may find is very important to a podcast. Putting words in the right order and using the right words is key to um, live broadcasting. 
which I've cooked well, up a few times. absolutely like, love you. And well, you know, it's, it's going to be handed to Mandy as well. I didn't think she sprinkles a bit of AI glamour onto the Let events. me read out some of the reviews, David, just to give you... Uh, I, I don't know if you've read them. Have you read any of them? Um, I've read a few, but I don't want to read too many because, I, you know, it, it becomes a bit like you know, let people down in some vein. Benny B writes, the highlight of my week. Wonderful. To be the highlight of someone's week. I tell week. you what, if you leave a review, David will blow you a kiss. Absolutely. Here we go. Get ready Benny for Benny B writes, the highlight of my week. Mm-hmm. Ah. Have some of that, Benny B. F. Jenkins says, absolutely charming, wonderful, and hugely insightful movie podcast from the greatest audio duo making pods today. Earl and Edwards dynamic is such a joy to listen to in on and David Edwards has such a unique and interesting perspective good that's worth a machine kiss, 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 kiss I'm mauling you with kisses you can you get your mace spray out I'm all over you G-Law says flippity skip absolutely first class 24-7 simple as that 100% not a mixed bag Oh, one, lots of references Good to the time. show there. Mwah, mwah, on both cheeks and a cheeky one on the lips. Mwah, have a that for free. Is this is from Lord Seabird. Oh, blimey, Lord. <laughs> An aristocrat. I love this podcast. I listen in the bath and I'm immediately transported to the mind of the effervescent David Edwards, whose love for Harrison Ford knows no bounds. He's a golden VHS tape in a world full of six-second TikTok yesterday's chips. God, the Lord should be a journalist, really. I mean, that's they should be doing the podcast. That's that's real word smithery, isn't it? Uh, kiss for the Lord. How many more do you want to hear? Goodness me. I, have I, I, think, I, I think I've hit my limit of PR. Yeah, okay, okay. I think right. I've hit my... That's, that's my Prozac quota for the day, Captain. Well... If you want a kiss from David Edwards, please leave a nice review. And why wouldn't you, for crying out loud? <laughs> Thank you, could, you very you could much. You put it on your everybody. mobile phone, so every time you get a text, you get uh, yeah, my audio that'd be kiss. Nice. Yeah, why not? There's a text Thank from Thank you very mother. much, everybody. And uh, let's let's answer some Patreon questions. Thank you, everyone. Uh, bye for now. Can I just very quickly, nip to, I'll be literally one second to have a quick yeah, Absolutely. Do you mind? I will literally... Go for it. Don't, don't. I'll literally one second. Go. Uh, Bye.